It's Tuesday the 2nd of February. Welcome to our afternoon sport deep dive. I'm Tim Gilbert and I'm joined by my co-host Shane Lee. How are you Shana? I'm okay. I'm okay Timmy. I'm doing dry Feb mate. So if I appear a little bit, you know, edgy and grouchy, you'll know why mate. But uh, yep, no sugar and no, uh, yep, no fat stuff this month. So I'm going to try and uh, strip back a bit. Well, mate, you've got all our support and you're off to a cracking start. You've done a day, so well done. Um, I remember in the old days, you could actually buy days off when you were doing that thing. All right, mate, no, no, it's a, it's a great motivation. Uh, I'm trying to lose a couple of kilos, get down to dress size myself. This is a huge show. Let's get going. Well, let's get stuck into uh, some of these topics, uh, Shane. The whole Collingwood story, the racism report, uh, whichever way you want to call it, it exploded and it continues to be a huge issue. Eddie Maguire came out yesterday, the chairman of Collingwood, saying that it's a proud day. Uh, interesting messaging, a lot of people saying that, you know, it's spin. What, what do you make of the whole story? It seems like spin. Um, he's obviously getting on the front foot. I just got a feeling that but Eddie Maguire made his whole career. He was originally a journalist and he would hang around with sportsmen and would have a drink with them. And if a sportsman spilled a beer or something or or acted up um, in a nightclub, he would turn a blind eye and create a really good relationship with these guys. I've got a funny feeling now that Eddie, he's done a hell of a lot of good stuff for sport. He's done a lot of great work for Collingwood. He's a passionate advocate for both Melbourne and sport in itself. But there's a real fear, I think, that yeah, he's going to be marred by this whole report now, and it could really define his whole legacy, which is which is a really it's a real shame for for Eddie. Yeah, and look, and it does take us back, and we're going to talk to Rob Gilbert about this, but the whole Adam Good story. So this is something that's been bubbling away for quite some time. When he and the board were handed the detail, you know, Eddie sort of announced his retirement in and around that time. Whether you're going to join the dots or not, but uh, yeah, I, I think that it definitely will, particularly um, in his role as chairman. Of Collingwood because he's worn a lot of hats over the years. Little question of that. He has, mate. And um, look, I, I think, has he has he made some mistakes over the years? Yes, he has. He's been in football for such a long time. Is he a racist? I don't, I don't think he is. But um, yeah, he's get, definitely going to be defined by this report and his legacy, particularly around Collingwood and sport in general, which is a shame. Yeah, we'll, we'll dig a bit deeper when Rob comes on on this story because it, it is a big one. Now, uh, look, let's look at cricket because you got to feel for the Perth Scorchers, don't you? Like, they had such a ripping season and here they are. They've got the second bite at the cherry to try and play the Sydney Sixers in the final at the SCG, which is fantastic. We're going to have 50% crowd on the weekend, but they're going to have to do it in Canberra because of this sort of security guard breakout. So, for Brisbane, uh, all things are in their favour. The Heat are on a roll and on fire no pun intended, but um, look, have they had a, a, the, the, the raw end of the stick? I don't think so. The Sydney Sticks has hardly played a game at home all year due to COVID in Sydney, so they were on the road for most of the time. It's just this year, I think, you know, it's unfortunately, and, you, and you've got to make the most of it. Saying that, they really need to turn it around. They are a very good franchise, the Scorchers, but if I was putting money on it, mate, and I'm not, if I was putting money on it, I, I would tip the heat to be playing the Sixers in the final of the SCG come this Saturday. What, what about the whole Patrick Reed story? He's gone ahead and won this latest PGA event. Uh, the commentators and others, there was speculation that he may have done the wrong thing by when he got a ruling on, on a ball being embedded. There was a question mark of, of cheating, which is, is such a word, isn't it, in sport? And uh, look, whatever happened and... Uh, whichever way he viewed it, forever uh, will he be stained by that moment 
And that's what happens in sport, doesn't it? In and around that kind of thing, in a, around rules and whether you bend them or break them. Yeah, big time. And you never want to be tarnished with that brush uh, called a cheat. And golf is really particular about that, you know, walking across someone's line, lie or whatever. But um, yeah, it's almost within golf. You can you can cheat on your tax return. You just don't cheat on the golf course because you'll get hung and hung and quartered. That's for sure. Cricket's a bit the same too, isn't it? Like the whole idea these days, there's cameras left, right and centre and DRSs, blah, blah, blah. But uh, for a long time, there there was a few players that got into strife about claiming catches when it bounced, and um, there were there were a number of moments, and and people don't forget. People don't forget, and uh, remember the famous catch by well, apparent catch by Greg Dyer uh, that ended his career for as a wicketkeeper for Australia, and um, you know he came from a, a corporate background, KPMG, and then claimed the catch, which was shown on the replay not to have uh, carried, and um, and he was he was thrown to the wolves. So, yeah, it's it's a real tough one. But this guy's got got a bit of history, and it it appears to me that. I'm not calling the guy a cheat, but it appears that he's doing things wrong on on a regular basis, which is not going down well with his peers. Yeah, yeah. I'm not good enough to cheat. I'm that hopeless. <laughs> um, but we've still got to have this game. We've still got to take each other on the afternoon sport golf day. It's got to happen. All right, Shane, let's get going because there's so much to talk about. We've got drama at Collingwood, all the latest on the way on afternoon sport. Rob Gilbert will join us. Well, this Collingwood story is huge, and uh, Shane, Rob Gilbert, of course, he is my brother, he um, comes on as our editor-in-large, all the subjects, and Rob, you are a Collingwood supporter, and uh, this is a massive yarn. Yeah, it sure is, Timmy. Um, G'day, Shane. It's a story that really has uh, been brewing uh, along in the background, with many of us uh, not knowing that it was about to really blow. In fact, uh, it wasn't until it broke in the Herald Sun uh, yesterday that the full weight of of this report uh, came down. So it's called the Do Better Report. It was commissioned by Collingwood, uh, leading academics, um, independent academics from uh, Sydney universities, experts on the subject of Indigenous affairs were were called to uh, investigate the issues of racism at the Collingwood Football Club. And the report was given to Eddie Maguire and the board at Collingwood on December the 17th. Now, you might recall that was the time where Eddie announced that a, a club um, Zoom conference that he was going to stand down at the end of 2021. So uh, now there's a, a lot more light shed back on that. But uh, uh, guys, you remember um, when this all started, we'll just take you back briefly to uh, the beginning of the AFL season last year when, uh, or at least when the AFL season was about to resume post-COVID. Uh, it's all around the Black Lives Matter movement. Former player Heretia Lumumba played for, for Collingwood for around eight years and uh, he dropped a tweet in the midst of uh, the Black Lives Matter uh, protests around the world and made it very clear that he, despite previous apologies from Collingwood, was still not happy with the way that the club had handled racism. So uh, it, it goes back to them and uh, uh, Heretia Lumumba is still front and centre in all this. Rob, can I ask, um, Eddie came out yesterday and sort of opened the whole press conference with, it's a very proud day for Collingwood, or words to that effect. Collingwood actually commissioned this investigation, I suppose, into it. So they're really taking the moral high ground here. What are your thoughts on the basic outcomes of the of the report? 
Well, Shane, I, I hate to say this, but um, you know the uh, the historic and proud quote is um, is classic PR one hundred and one. Uh, mm. uh, as they say, trying to get out in front of a story um, when in reality this report came out in twenty seventeen. And uh, in so far as taking the moral high ground, uh, I think the moral high ground was lost on Collingwood a long time ago. I mean, anybody who who knows their history on this story knows that it starts back in twenty thirteen when Adam Goods uh, was going through uh, some of the worst issues of his career. He'd been calling by a young Collingwood fan, a 13-year-old kid, and Eddie Maguire came out on his radio show uh, and he, he says he was uh, affected by massive painkillers and uh, antibiotics and all sorts of stuff, but uh, he he refers to that incident and the promotion of the musical King Kong in Melbourne and and uh, says, uh, we you know, maybe we could get Adam Goods down to, to help promote it, don't you reckon, uh, Goodsy? You know, the ape thing, the whole thing. And so I remember hearing it then, that day. And so, um, so what's happened is I refer to Heredia Lumumba at the time, it was 2013, he made a remark about that uh, in public, um, in fact, criticised Maguire and uh, and he claims, um, and he's very clear about this, that uh, that his own coach, uh, Nathan Buckley at the time, said he threw uh, the president under the bus. So uh, in so far as the moral high ground, I don't think Collingwood's got anything uh, to, and that comes as a supporter of the club and and, and there's at least half a dozen players who, um, who back Lumumba on this and also one particular point that I haven't made about uh, the racial slurs that he uh, uh, he reports to have been, um, you know, subject to, and the nickname uh, of Chimp, which many uh, in the club deny, including Buckley, but um, but there are at least half a dozen players, former players, who say that it was definitely used. Yeah, look, uh, it's got legs, hasn't it? This story, and, and it doesn't really matter how they present it. Uh, saying a proud day, look, not everyone's going to see it that way. Not many are, and uh, look, it, it's a front page of all the newspapers in Melbourne, and uh, they. They are the, well, they've got to be the highest profile club, don't they? They're enormous. They've got such history. And uh, Eddie, with, with that history himself, boy, oh boy, this is uh, this is going to stick around for a while. Rob, um, look, you're in Melbourne. We're just a week away. Look, the, the tournament doesn't start proper for a week, but we've got tennis being played. We're speaking to Jaslyn, obviously, on this very program. But what I want to ask you about is, is are the people excited now are they excited because the eyes of the world also are looking on to try and see this as a bit of a template for for their events so they can get their events going in and the biggest one of all the olympic games yeah exactly right tim you asked the question excited well i love the tennis and um, i'm excited that it's coming now we've talked about this for a couple of weeks now and uh, the question uh, would be answered in in a range of different ways by a lot of people. There are still the group of people who wish the tournament never happened, um, who were critical of the Victorian and the uh, the federal government for allowing it to happen. Obviously, I'm not one of those, and most of the people that I talk to aren't. The uh, obvious quarantine that was required had stories that came out of it. We know the stories with uh, you know Roberta Badistraku describing the conditions like a prison with Wi-Fi and uh, Novak Djokovic coming out with demands and, and all the rest of it. But the point you make about this being a test event for the rest of the world well it certainly is the uh, olympics uh, obviously the ioc and uh, and the organizing committee in japan are still hoping that the event will go on uh, there are events all over the world wimbledon was obviously cancelled last year hoping to get it up and and running again yeah. this year so the the, the the clear takeout from this event will be 
is the world ready to resume international sporting events and is this the template for how they'll be handled? Look, I hope so, Rob. I think um, six months ago, if you, if anyone would have said that we'll have the Australian Open in Melbourne and there'll be 30,000 people going to the tennis every day, we would be very shocked, I'm sure. No, that's right, Shane. And so as a fan uh, for many, many years, and my older son, uh, Thomas, is a, a tennis player and, and fan himself, and, and I've watched him go since he was a little kid. We just live up the road from Melbourne Park and uh, and for Melbourne kids to, to be able to go or particularly tennis fans uh, to the Australian Open it's it's a rite of passage and him and his mates are all planning on going down and they'll adapt to the scenario you can't buy a ground pass this year you've got to buy a ticket to a specific event you've got to um, obey the COVID protocols but uh, but as you say 30,000 people times 14 days that's still of a lot of people attending and uh, yeah so look let's just hope that we can get through this that more importantly, the after effects, um, uh, the yeah. the weeks and months after the event don't leave a, uh, um, a COVID trail. Um, so uh, it's going to be uh, a watching brief for a period of time after the event, regardless of how well the event goes itself. Yeah, absolutely, Rob. Now let's head overseas quickly. EPL... Uh Big things happening. Liverpool got a win. Yeah, they did. Um, they've they've turned the corner. Jurgen Klopp. Um, look, you'd always have to back him with the, the likes of you know Mo Salah, you know Firmino, Sadio Mane. And despite the fact that uh, you know the uh, the rock in defence, Virgil Van Dijk's been out for some time, you, you just knew that they were going to eventually turn it around and uh, and get it together. And and that's what they're doing you know, and have done in the last few rounds. But who would have thought that you'd ever refer to Pep Guardiola's Manchester City as flying under the radar? Uh, you know, they're now like three points in in front on the the Premier League ladder with a game in hand. Uh, Manchester City under um, Ole Gunnar Solskjaer, they've, they've turned it around but uh, you know missed an opportunity, a golden opportunity when they got beat by the bottom of the ladder, Sheffield United, earlier in the week. You know, Leicester City, uh, they uh, again, they've had their opportunities and, and dropped the ball on a couple of occasions. You know, they got beat by Brighton and Hove, Albion, who are a relegation battling side. But, you know, we've talked about this. This is such a great story in the Premier League emerging with the halfway point or just past the halfway point. And all those teams I mentioned as well as the likes of West Ham, Tottenham, and and even uh, under Thomas Tuchel uh, after uh, Frank Lampard was sacked last week at Chelsea, they're still in there with a, with a fighting chance to to play uh, uh, European football if they can continue on. Arsenal as well. I mean, I could name the the top twelve teams uh, as contenders. So uh, for uh, for football fans of the world game style, even though there are no fans in the stadium, it's uh, it's a great season, a classic season uh, uh, unfolding in front of us. Rob, brilliant as usual, mate. You're an absolute wealth of knowledge, mate, when it comes to football and tennis and, and your eyes on the ground in Melbourne are really important, mate. So well done, mate. Take care. We'll chat soon. Yeah, thanks, Shane and Timmy and um, and Dan. And looking forward to the Super Bowl next week. That's going to be yes, a classic between wait. the uh, Kansas City Chiefs and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Tom Brady v. Patrick Mahomes. Yeah. Bring it on. The old bull and the young bull. Good to talk, Rob. See you, boys. Everything tennis, it's arrived. They're playing in Melbourne, the Australian Open next week, and someone who's done it all herself, she's a coach these days, and our tennis expert, Jaslyn Hewitt. Stump to Stump is Australia's newest and most interactive cricket platform for all cricket fans, players and clubs to share stories, match results, memories and experiences. Stumptostump.com. Tennis, tennis, tennis. Well, it's starting to be played in Melbourne. All starts the Australian Open next week. And our expert, our family member of the afternoon sport is Jaslyn Hewitt. How are you, Jazzy? Good afternoon, guys. Yes, I'm great. Fresh off the court myself. Well done, Jazz. Now, uh, speaking of being fresh off the court, he's off the court. Tomic has pulled out. 
He's, he's, he's saying he's got a knee injury and uh, won't play until the Australian Open now. Yeah, so he's got seven days to be ready for the AO now. It is putting uh, his chances of going deep in the tournament at jeopardy. Uh, he's saying he's got a knee complaint at the moment, although he's posted a video of uh, him on Instagram playing yeah. basketball and then bouncing <laughs> the ball around and hitting it with his knee. So possibly just a light inflammation in his knee at this stage. And uh, I guess we'll have to wait and see what kind of form he is because he won't have any match practice in the prior tournaments this week until he actually plays the AO. Yeah, pushing down too hard on the brake of his BMW or oh, his Tirana, mate. <laughs> Bernard, Bernard Tommy, he, he, look, there's, he's never far from a story. It's just like, a, you, 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 it's, it's a bit like the boy that cried wolf sometimes, isn't it, Jaslyn? Because you look at it and you look at a yarn around him and you, you want to believe it all. You want to. You do want to, but uh, I think his history uh, just makes you yeah, unsure of what's actually out there or what's true. So he does like all the speculation around him. He loves being the centre of attention at the moment. Uh, he's not necessarily getting that for being on the court. It's a little bit uh, off the court side of things with Nick's comments about his new misses, but uh, it, it would be great to see Tomic come out and do well. Um, I think we, we need all the Aussies to do as well as we can in, in our own group. Grand Slam here in Australia, especially after some of the bad publicity that the uh, overseas players have probably caused just with the quarantine issues. Funny enough, we've had Craig Tiley come out and had requests of uh, kittens and puppies in the hotel rooms. So it, it is quite astonishing what the players have been asking for. But yeah, we just want to see our Australian players go deep in the event. Jazz, we had Jordan Thompson on the show yesterday. Uh, he's a really, really impressive young guy and a very talented tennis player. Speaking about Australians that can go deep. Yeah, he's a he's a top bloke. He's everything your epitome of an Australian athlete. He's gutsy. He fights uh, very hard in all of his matches. His game style, the way he uh, grinds it out in a lot of the matches. He's gone deep at uh, the French Open a couple of years ago now. Um, it would be great to see Jordan um, be up there with the names of the Kyrgios and Yudimanar. He does have the game to back it, and hopefully he, he gets a good run here um, at the Australian Open and goes deep. Yeah, Rafa gave uh, Alex uh, Dimina a, a nice rap the other day. Of course, Alex has done so much work with your brother, Leighton. Yeah, no, Alex is a top bloke. And uh, I think it's it's basically the way the New South Wales players have come out of here in Sydney. They're, they are gutsy. Uh, they've got their resilience. Um, and to top it off, they're actually great people. I think that's what Nadal really, really likes. He, he admires the way that uh, Alex competes on court. I think Nadal liked the way that Leighton competed on court. And I think the three guys have that much respect for each other, just how physical that their game is on court. It's not that Big shot, big serve, big first ball. Their ability to run a ball down to create options for themselves, um, their hands, their skills, I think it sets them apart and that's probably why they've got so much respect for each other. Yeah, and it's been nice to see, just changing subject slightly, because there were, and Novak probably the top of the list, who uh, who sort of caused a stir and some and stories and uh, asking for cats and dogs and everything else. But Venus Williams came out and said uh, some really nice things. Others have as well. And it was a real nice glow around the day at the drive in your hometown of Adelaide. 
that a lot of these players were just so thankful to have crowds. That was the most amazing part of it. Those top players have had the best opportunity that they could possibly have given the circumstances. The Adelaide crowds, the Adelaide supporters, they they really get behind the exhibition events there and to have the likes of uh, Rafa playing Tim and Serena or Saka um, and Halep who will probably uh, gravitate to being an Adelaide girl given that her coach is Darren Cale and he's from mm. Adelaide and, and she played Ash Barty but they couldn't be any more happier just uh, having a little bit more normality in their matches and you know those big players love playing those big events and it is for the crowds they are the entertainers out there on the court and they really want to entertain the crowd so it's a little bit of a challenge for them when you can only perform for people behind a tv screen you don't know if they're getting behind you you don't feel the ups and downs with the crowds boos or oars when you're you're playing those amazing shots so i think the the players especially in melbourne now given that uh, the victorian government's pushed it up to about thirty thousand crowds per day so it's almost at 50 percent. i think the the players will definitely enjoy that yeah i mentioned Leighton before and look when he speaks of the australian sporting public particularly the tennis public listen and, and his comments about he has a strong faith that Nick Kyrgios can put on a real campaign here at this Australian Open and go deep. Uh, look, it really uh, it was met with a, a lot of smiles, I think, around the uh, the sporting world, the tennis world. Yeah, Nick's had a great preseason. As uh, Jordan would have spoken to you, he spent the last couple of weeks down in Canberra with uh, Nick and training down there. Nick's had the last uh, 11 months off, really, um, and getting himself right. So it's great to see him in a really good position now. Hopefully, this this next seven days in the events that he's playing that he can get some good wins under his belt and go deep in those events and then it puts him in a great position to to lead with uh, a good amount of confidence in the first week of the Australian Open. Jazz, how's uh, Ash Barty faring? She's looking pretty good leading into this, the Australian Open as well. Yeah, so her match at the, a day at the drive against Simona Halep, so she ended up losing that one in a tight three-setter. The amount the, the three setters down there, you, you've just got to wonder if it was set up a little bit, split sets and then get into a super. But, um, no, she's she's in fine form. I probably didn't mind her having a loss uh, down in Adelaide at an exhibition event, uh, get the monkey out of off her back. Um, she hasn't lost a match in about 11 months. So knowing that you've had that straight run of wins, um, just to alleviate that pressure a little bit and not have that continue build up on you. That's where having a, a loss at that time is not uh, not so detrimental to your start of your campaign for the Australian Open. All right, the Jaslyn Hewitt crystal ball, it's out, it's sitting on the table. Who is going to win the men's and women's at the Australian Open in 2021? Uh, I still think uh, it's going to be hard to go past Rafa. Um, I think if his body can hold up, I think he had major issues last year and that's why um, he struggled in in the last few rounds there. But um, the way he played against Dominic team in Adelaide, um, team would probably be up there and I'd I'd guess he would make at least a semi depending on which side of the draw he's on. Um, So, But I'd really hedge my bets probably towards Rafa. On the female side of things, I always find it's hard to to back against Serena. Um, yeah. I think as much as we'd love a homegrown star with Ash Barty, uh, seven matches, the draw has to go your way. Um, Serena's just a powerhouse and I think she's been doing all the right things in her training from what we've been able to witness over Instagram and some videos. So 
Serena, I think, would be hard to beat, although we would also love uh, the Ash Barty story. Well, we are so close now. It's getting closer every day, and uh, we're really excited. Um, Jazz, thanks again for your time. Um, we're looking forward. We'll let you get back on the court. So uh, we, we, sorry, sorry to keep you. <laughs> <laughs> thanks, guys. Thanks, Jazz. That's it for Afternoon Sport today. We'll be with you Monday to Friday every week. Hit subscribe on your podcast app so you don't miss it. Big thank you today goes to Rob Gilbert and to Jaslyn Hewitt. Thanks also, Shane, to Spartan Sports. SpartanSportsHQ.com, our great sponsors there at Spartan Sports. And, of course, thank you to the king, the crown prince of podcast <laughs> production. His name is Dan McHugh. See you tomorrow. See you, guys. See you then.